0: Welcome back, Seekers of Strength, to another empowering episode of Gathering Strength. I'm your host, Ruby Root, and today we have a Gathering Strength first. The first in-person conversation with my man, entrepreneur, pillar of the community, Wade Taylor. He has been in business for 15 years in the lovely Livermore, California But it hasn't been all rainbows and butterflies. Nah, arrows of adversity have been inevitably slung. How does one not only survive, but thrive in the unpredictable world of entrepreneurship? Wade shares invaluable insights on leadership, weathering adversity, and the crucial role of a solid support system. Ever wondered how fatherhood and entrepreneurship intertwine? Well, Wade provides a first-hand account, shedding light on the delicate balance between building a business and being a present father and awesome husband. In a world rocked by the pandemic, discover the strategies that kept Wade's business afloat during the tumultuous times of COVID-19. As you listen, ponder on the lessons learned from years of entrepreneurial experience. What leadership qualities contribute to longevity in business? And how does one navigate the stormy seas of uncertainty? Join me and Wade on this episode of Gathering Strength because we're going to unravel the stories behind the success, the setbacks, and the unwavering spirit that propels entrepreneurs like Wade Taylor and his dojo forward. Tune in for a conversation that's bound to inspire and resonate with anyone on their journey of growth and resilience. But before we dive into the podcast episode, I need to kick it off with a quote from the GOAT. Warren Buffett, the greatest investor of all time, he said, The more you learn, the more you earn. And by golly, you're going to learn today. You know I want you to have the buff body, the buff mind, the buff spirit, and the buff bank. Why? Because life is heavy, and we're not always going to have a spot. Luckily for you, I got you back. Now that we're all warmed up, loose, and limber, let's get in to the heavy lift. My conversation with Wade Taylor. I have Wade Taylor, the owner of Team Martial Arts in Livermore, a man who I feel exemplifies a pillar of the community, a great family man, and somebody who doesn't just talk about the philosophy of discipline and inclusiveness, but you are producing the the fruit that, that comes along with that. Trying to, for sure. Yeah. Um, my son, he was in your, is, is it called a, a dojo? Dojo, martial arts program, martial arts school, studio, any of the above is. All right. So he was in a, a few years back in one of your classes. And me just as a parent, you know, who's bringing my son to a new environment. Um, it, it's not that I was, you know, on the lookout for, you know, things that were off. But I was just like, you know, this place has its, has its stuff together. It's clean, yeah. great. Um, there's a great staff. They're engaging with their students, and all of the parents are cool. And there's not just the kids who are running around recklessly like your, your uh, instructors. They were able to corral everyone. Yeah. They were able to get everyone to listen up front, and everything that the instructor was asking of the student it was being uh there it was being heated like everyone was doing what was being asked of them yeah and that that's that's awesome so h- how do how do you go about doing that well first of all can you tell me what what you why martial arts what did martial arts do for you how did you get into martial arts
1: yeah yeah um should i answer that question first or then
0: Yeah. Yeah. How how did you you, you get into martial arts? Because I believe that that is going to tie into the structure of your of your philosophy of you running running your business. Right.
1: Yeah. And the part I want to talk about, too, with what you just said was um, the instructors running the class. You didn't say it was me. I I have a team of instructors. Yeah. So the cool part is, is is I've been able to. you know, learn these skills from my instructor, and then pass them on to n- other young people mm. who are now in their 20s, who are running majority of the school. I still have my days in classes I teach, mm-hmm. but it's really cool to see those guys taking these values that I learned and passing them on too. So it's, it, I, I don't know, there's even more powerful, I believe, because it's not just me doing it. It's yeah. kinda cool that I'm able to, not that it's about me making it so these guys can do it, but it's, uh, I'm, I've hopefully helped empower them to do it on their own, is kinda the goal.
0: Yeah, there is a philosophical quote that um, that comes to my mind is teach a man f- or give a man a yeah. fish, you feed him for a day, and then teach a man a fish, you 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 feed him for a lifetime.
1: Yeah, and that ta- that's that's scary. It takes a lot of confidence too, because you got to know that they may leave you or or certain things mm. like that. Because once you give everybody everything, it's you know you have to have the confidence to sit back and hope they stick around with you, and you treat them right, and a bunch of other things. But um, yeah, as far as me kind of getting into the martial arts, I, I kind of, um, it's kind of an interesting story. I was always obsessed with, uh, you know, Ninja Turtles, uh, GI Joe, uh, Power Rangers was huge, right? Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, X Men, all that stuff. So I always just loved martial arts and combat kind of things. Yeah. But I was a soft kid, very just uh, you threw a rock, it hits me in the leg, I, I might cry and be out for the day type type stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, I played soccer, really enjoyed soccer. Played baseball, enjoyed baseball. Was maybe average at soccer, baseball, not so much. And, um, this is kind of how I got into it. And then what we have is, um, it's, you call it like an aha moment, right? Where you're like, boom, this is it. This Uh, is what's for me.
0: A moment of clarity. Yes. All
1: right. So I went from playing baseball. My, uh, my neighbor across the street, he's on the team with me and he says, you know, the coach talks trash about trash about you when you're on the outfield. And I was like, what do you mean? What does he say? (laughs) And I I may have, I I think, um, (laughs) the, the, uh, the phrase may have been has evolved to make a better story out of it. I'm not sure if this is exactly what the coach right. said, but it was probably mm-hmm. like Wade needs to be out there catching a thousand pop flies because he can't catch anything. But mm-hmm. what I tell when I tell this story to make it sound a little cooler, perhaps, is um, you know Wade's out there, he can't catch a cold, let alone a pop fly. He needs to stay out there all day, kind of a thing. Yeah. And so I go from that. You know, you're 13 years old, and by the way, we don't. We both grew up in Antioch. Yeah. So you know, we're playing. This is right when you enter those Babe Ruth fields right over there, golf and games, Babe Ruth fields. I don't know if you ever played over there, but. Anyways, um, yeah. Cool thing. But right at that age, people are starting to be aware like who's good and who's not. You know, you're not just hanging mm-hmm. out with your buddies, getting your snack after the game. Now it's like, man, we want to win. Thirteen, people are getting serious. So I could see the, the coaches kind of like, Hey man, that kid's just not cutting it. But I just I didn't feel like it was uh it was a sport I loved, but it wasn't the right place for me. Mm. And I just got lucky. Always wanted to go to a martial arts school. One opens up down the street, Palins Martial Arts, um, in the Safeway shopping center on Deer Valley Road. Mm -hmm. Opens up. I could literally walk there. Uh, I do my paper route, which I don't even know if those exist anymore. I do my paper up, go to my first class. And um, shortly thereafter, I just remember my instructor like, everybody freeze. And we call this spotlighting in martial arts. So Mm -hmm. we kind of will freeze and we're going to kind of highlight a characteristic of whatever the student's doing. And what he highlighted me on was, um, you know, look at Wade's effort. It was the first time I was praised for effort, not my skill. Mm. And what happened was in baseball, we want results. We gotta win. You know, yeah. and if I strike out, that that creates an out for the whole team. Kids are upset, maybe parents in the stands because Gotta get on base. Yeah, and, and I just it wasn't, wasn't working for me. I loved it, but it just wasn't working. Yeah. So, anyways, I go to karate and he says, Everybody freeze, let's watch Wade's sidekick. And you know, I didn't have the highest sidekick, I didn't have the strongest sidekick, but yeah. I always worked hard, and my instructor praised me for that publicly, and all of a sudden it just kind of took off. I couldn't get enough of it. I was always at the school. I wanted to be there. I wanted to please my instructor. I wanted to work hard for myself. And um, things just really started started clicking compared to other sports. Mm. And um, and I think the one thing we were chatting about when uh, when I saw you around Halloween was um, community. Yeah. I think that's really what it was. And I, so ever since you said that, I started I'm thinking about my past, and, I'm, and and I always think about things, but as I'm thinking things through, I go, man, that community, was probably what kept me in it and was one of the most helpful things in my life growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, I started having more confidence. I always had a group of friends. I just didn't have yeah. a place. Once I got to high school, everyone has their niche, right? Yeah. I didn't play an instrument. I didn't play. I I, play, I enjoyed sports. It just wasn't good enough to make the high school team. Mm-hmm. And then karate, was that was the place for me. I was friends with adults. I had younger kids that were like younger siblings who, you know, I kind of helped and mentored when I was the in the leadership role yeah before i was like a, a head instructor and then i was constantly growing and pushing and then it just so happens my instructors their family uh, big time competitors they, they throw martial arts tournaments we travel to martial arts tournaments so i got really lucky to you know travel the world um gone to the philippines twice for stick fighting tournaments and then and this is
0: your 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 family
1: uh not my family but m- the martial arts family the palin uh, family oh, that um so oh, you know all right you, yeah you, basically uh, I don't know if it would have worked for me at every martial arts school. W- would another instructor have praised me for effort versus mm-hmm. the, the skill set? But so this, this family is just, they had it, they really, in my opinion, had it kind of locked in. And my instructor in particular, uh, Jordan Palin, was just, I don't, I don't know, savant is, or just excellent with children, excellent with kids and connecting yeah. and communicating mm-hmm. with people. And then what they did was they had their own internal community and they had their own internal community events. And I wasn't part of a, any community in Antioch. Like, Antioch mm-hmm. doesn't have the downtown like Livermore does. We have this gathering spot where I run into you, you yeah. know, yeah. We, at the fountain. I run into you at Halloween, at booths, yeah. at, all, all the time. So Antioch didn't have that, and I didn't belong to a church or anything. So that karate school just created these opportunities where I had room to kind of mix with other kids and and people in a similar like-minded uh, community that I wanted to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was all in it, man. And that, w- that was kinda how it got started. You know, Not that I had a failed other sports experience, but mm-hmm. when I got here, it just it thrived and it worked. And so that's kinda been the foundation for what I've tried to do um,
0: with my business. How old were you when you first stepped foot onto a, a karate, karate dojo? 12 years old. 12 years old. Yeah. And then you were you know, just on that journey of learning, competence, confidence, learning the actual moves. And then, how old were you when the the thought of like, hey, this could be be a business? Or how how did how, what information did you obtain for yourself to where you wanted to turn your passion into a a business? Funny thing about that is, I don't think I wanted to run a karate school, and mm. I,
1: I I loved being there, and I couldn't imagine being anywhere else. And mm. I always thought if I didn't have my own, I would help out at somebody else's. Oh, wow. But If I was to throw my instructor under the bus, he would do this thing and he would give us challenging students. So the class would flow. Hey, you're a good leader or Mm. or, leaders, our leadership team. Usually it's younger kids helping out in the class. Yeah. So he's, Hey, I want you to help so-and-so. And And it was like, no, so-and-so is challenging, Mm. but (laughs) you know, so this goes on for years and years and years. And, um, you know, I'm competing, I'm doing all this. I go to college. I went to SF state and, um, I, I you, you finish up, and it's I finished up the PE, uh, physical, oh, my gosh, kinesiology with an emphasis in physical physical education. That mm-hmm. was my, I want to be a PE teacher. So mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to teach, and I knew I wanted to do something athletic and physical like yeah. martial arts. Uh, I did the, um, I don't know, kind of like your research papers you do to get your degree. Yeah. So I did a bunch of stuff at middle schools and high schools, and I was like, I hate this. These teachers, they look... Um, downtrodden defeated shells of human beings uh unenthusiastic big time Uh and then i'm watching so i'm at the junior high in san leandro and one of my uh the the students who i train at pounds martial arts he's in there and you know we we look at each other and we're kind of you know laughing that we're both in here doing this and he's with his school buddies and um but i'm in there and it takes 10 minutes to change into your your uniform or your pe outfit yeah takes 10 minutes to change out of it It takes 10 minutes for roll that's 30 minutes of a 50 minutes class. We have 20 minutes for uh, physical activity and the, the people doing it don't look like they want to do it. Yeah. So I went from thinking that to now my instructor, it seemed like he was playing this dirty trick, giving us the challenging students to now I can handle the most, ch- and I don't say bad kids. They're challenging kids because mm-hmm. kids are good people, but you know, sometimes it's like, I hate that kid. Like, yeah. We don't hate kids. We just have kids with, with certain levels of challenges. Right. And mm-hmm. we, that, that kind of, Keeping that mindset, it's like, I'm here to work with you. That's my job. My yeah. job is to help you. Yeah. And um, so I've worked with challenging students for a while. Now, all of a sudden, I'm like, gosh, I could go do that, work for the school. I'm handcuffed to teach what they tell me to teach. Or I can own my own business. I can start at three years old. I can teach to as old as you can be to get on the mat. And I'm so used to working with some of these challenging students. I, I can. I feel like I can work and connect with anybody. Because if you can make it work for somebody who's really struggling or maybe somebody who has behavioral issues. Yeah you know, you get somebody who's hungry, wants to train, man, that's easy. So how old were you when you started to have those thoughts? uh, uh, College, college. So right after college. So, and I'm a late bloomer and everything. So I I was probably about you know, five or six year college degree guy. And I started about two years late. Like I, I said, I'm going to be a plumber and I'm
0: going to do, you know, I worked at round table. I, you know, I kind of trying to find your way just um, like every other 20 year old who it, doesn't have it figured out, which is all of them, exactly the, the, the majority of them, you know, for those gifted few who do have the intuition of that, that plat, uh, that path and that journey, those are the ones who are just, you know, they're, they're un, uncommon, but for the status quo, 20 year old yeah. who is, you know, who are depressed and confused, and oh, you know, a, a little bit lost, and then they start to, you know, kind of displace that energy onto other people. Like, you know, that the system is, is is stacked up against me. You know, this and that and blah blah blah. It, in actuality, it's just like, dude, you're only twenty years old. You're not supposed to have it figured out. You're supposed to go out and struggle. You're supposed to go out and mess up. You're yeah. supposed to go out and take your lumps and your bumps. And even though you might be in college, you still have to go through the school of hard knocks, which is, you know, taking everything that you learn that you think is going to work and then trying it in the real life. And then uh, Bruce Lee has a a great quote is um, use what what is use what is necessary and what works and then um, displace the rest. Yeah. And that's kind of how you have to go th- go through your life. You have to try everything, and then you have to analyze what works, what doesn't work, and then keep doing the things that that does work. Um, so there you are, you're twenty, you're in your twenties with uh, a a college degree now. Uh, how did you go about, you know, getting the the down payment and the Dude, the, oh. the money to to put forth on the property because. Uh, there's another old saying, uh, in order to make money, you have, you, in, in order to make money, you have to spend money. Yeah. So h- how did you go about that? Uh, because you've been in business for a while, right? We've been in town since 2008. Yeah.
1: So for 15 years, that's a long time. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's awesome. Kind of. So got out of school. Uh, my instructor offered me a, like a more serious, like full-time job. So now I'm teaching, you know, Monday through Friday, some Saturdays and stuff. And, uh, I'm mm-hmm. living in Knightson, which is behind Antioch traveling oh, to san leandro yeah n-
0: nice and far that that's a that's a super commute
1: it, it kind of yeah when, when your dad goes from antioch <laughs> to stamford antioch to san francisco and antioch uh. to oakland and has to leave at 3 a.m like you just it's just what your family does right we yeah I, travel an hour and a half to train in karate and then i, I talked to a guy world champion actually fights for a big title here on the karate combat league and he's in uh gosh i don't know if it was brooklyn or the bronx but he was talking about two-hour train rides To get there, and in not the best neighborhoods, and I was kind of like, oh well, I'll shut up then. My hour (laughs) and fifteen minutes isn't too bad. All right, but um, so yeah, get out of college, and it was like, hey, if you want to teach in an actual school, you got two more years of schooling to do to get your uh, to be certified or something. And I was like, man, I'm ready to work. Like I'm I I'm not being I don't want to be a starving student anymore. Yeah, not that I was eating top ramen, but that's what you're like. Man, I'm not eating top ramen. I'm I'm gonna make some money now. Yeah.
0: So I worked for my instructor (laughs) for about two years and And um, just learning the ropes a little bit learning a bit about the business learning the the insides because it's not just all hey let me go up and 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 teach there's a bunch of other underlying uh things that you may not have been privy to unless you were working under your your teacher and
1: the cool thing was is i was already like a five six day a week person and i you know when i'm done like right around between somewhere between three and five Mm o'clock i pack the i pack my bags go to karate every day yeah so in that way, I kind of knew a lot of the ins and outs, mm-hmm. but then I was like, now I'm the full-time person, and I'm sitting in the meetings behind strategizing for like, okay, we're going to do this for the next belt testing, or this for our next event, so yeah, I'm, I'm in there, for, so for those two years, and then um, 2008, you know, the big, is the mortgage crisis, right? Yeah. And yeah. all, I think, I don't even know if Barry Bonds was still playing, but that's all I knew. I was like, how many homeowners <laughs> does Barry Bonds have? Yeah. Wait, the housing market? I didn't know anything. Uh-huh. And... Um, I'm dating a girl, and we drive around Livermore, and I go, man, this place is great. It reminds me of where I grew up in Antioch, but you know, it has a little bit more sense of community. It's, it's nice, I like it here. Mm-hmm. And we're driving, and it turns out there's a guy from the tournament circuit who abandoned his school in Livermore.
0: Mm. Um,
1: it was it was it was actually right. It was the McDonald's right here. Mm-hmm. So we're talking right around the corner. Yeah, um, that was where my school was. Yeah, I was there for two years. Never had more than twenty students. Never could afford rent. It wow. was terrible. In that time, you know, had a little bit of a fallout with my teacher. Had some fall, like had a girlfriend who who split up with me, and she was a talented martial artist. So that kind of you know hurts your business future plans. Mm. And um, so <laughs> it was just it was it was a battle, man. It was a battle. Hardship, adversity. Well, I, I'll tell you more. So, you know, it, it's hard when you lose your mentor, right? And, yeah. and we had a fallout. I was a butthead. It was kind of like if, if I was his kid, it would have been, a, I'm, a rebe- I'm a rebellious teenager, and I know better than mom and dad, middle finger, mm. I'm going to go do it. it. It was a little bit like that. There's always more to it, but that would be yeah. like on my end of it. That was kind of what it was, and I think I got humbled pretty quick. But mm. I started living with a friend in Antioch again, and, um, you know, unfortunately on, on April 15th, I'm driving home from paying taxes and uh, she shot herself um, oh, while, wow. while I'm driving home. I live with her and her daughter. This is a family from the Antioch Karate School, Karate Mom. And, wow. um, you know, just w- w- the first place, when I needed uh. a place to li- live after um, I had split up with my girlfriend, I didn't call my best buds. Like, I, I-, I wanted to call my guys, but I was like, nah, man, they're kind of in these places. First person I call is my friend Angie. I said, hey, Actually, at first, I text her daughter. I say, Shalee, hey, can I uh, can I live with you guys? And she's like, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm goodness. sure you could. Just ask my mom. Boom. She's like, when are you coming by? Uh-huh. And I get there, you know, like a dog that did something wrong. My head's hanging. Oh, my goodness. And uh, she's like, where's your stuff? It's in the car. Go get it. Come on. Move in. Your bed's ready. Everything. Oh, and, like, wow. Just took care of me. Um, didn't realize she was battling her own yeah. uh, demons. And that was, that was wow. pretty rough, just on top of everything. And so for me, dealing with loss of these relationships – um, all within a, s- a small amount of time. And then I started training a little bit with my instructor's brother, who also uh, killed himself. And it was just... Oh, my goodness. It was this, um, you know, I'm in my late 20s, and it was a lot to process with yeah. with everything. And um, so when just when you say adversity, but the cool part was I was a little bit of a knucklehead, kind of just a, a bonehead. It was, uh, you know, wow, look at Wade. He shows up every day. It was, well, what else am I gonna do, Right. I, so it wasn't that I was so determined to make this succeed. I see. It was a little bit of just like, well, I, I don't know what else I would do today. So like, I'm just gonna going to put my best foot forward and I'm going to teach. And- going
0: with the flow. I'm just going to go in this direction. Yes. Um, I, I have a passion and I'm just one foot in front of the other type, yeah. type, type deal. And it, then because you you continued down that path and you were you were being rewarded in many different aspects, it's like, all right, I'm just going to keep following this trail yeah, exactly. And then you know, it's, it just so
1: happens as soon as I move to Livermore, like this is probably, gosh, this is two weeks after my friend dies. Um, we get a call and says, hey, this other place for another karate school in town is for sale. So I, I, I kind of, I get this first school and I take over the lease from the landlord. Mm-hmm. So the other guy is now off that lease. Yeah. And so it's almost like we kind of freed him off that lease. Yeah. Then I go to this other place, buy someone's business. Now I'm paying rent. And when you talk about where you get the money from, I, who knows? I don't even know where. But I'm paying rent um, at the old location. Mm-hmm. I'm paying off my ex-girlfriend because that's where the down payment came from. Her mother, I think, was kind of the one on the lease, so I couldn't mm-hmm. just abandon that lease, even mm-hmm. though we were broken up. It was like, what's the right thing to do? Yeah. So we stayed. Uh, we worked out a deal where we could pay the old landlord back. I bought the new business, and I was paying rent at two locations. What? Or and I think I was paying back. The ex-girlfriend from some of the money that they had initially invested. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, no money, no nothing. And it was, but it was, it was working. <laughs> and um, next thing you know, I'm, I make a phone call to my dad. I'm like, Dad, dude, I can pay rent at the house in Livermore now. We're good. D- just don't worry about that. He's like, Okay, great, great, great. Then a uh, couple months go by again. It's like, Dad, I can afford my car payment, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, cause I had a like a neon. Yeah. Not even a Dodge Neon. Mm-hmm. I had a Plymouth Neon all right it was teal and i drive around annie and people like oh you still got school spirit because uh, the deer valley colors were yeah. teal and black
0: <laughs> and it was
1: embarrassing if i ever went on a date i'd park like on second or third street and then mm-hmm. walk so nobody could see my car oh wow uh, it was it. Was, i mean hey, we all go through it right yeah
0: definitely yeah, can i tell you about my oh, yeah. one of my beaters i had a 92 toyota paseo and um i had hit a parked car oh yeah i i hit a parked car and I wasn't able to afford the the passenger side fender, so I just had a exposed wheel. Yeah. And during the rainy season, um, it looked like a damn jet ski was going through the <laughs> intersection because the water was just flinging up hella high. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I'm able to to relate on driving around with a embarrassing car that yeah. is just like, come on, yeah, I need to start making money. Exactly. But and then I call my dad like, Dad, man, I can afford it for
1: my car payment, and so things just started really turning around, and it was funny, because uh, within a few years, we, we've moved to our third location, and we're right next to Trader Joe's, and that's our best spot, and, mm-hmm. and now our big thing, 15 years in, my wife is like the brains behind the business in a lot of ways uh, now, Yeah, and uh, she just keeps us all like in line. You, you take the yeah. creative mind of somebody who's a business owner, Yeah, you need a manager to kind of get all your ducks in a row and tell you kind of what's going on, and my wife is just fantastic at that. Mm-hmm. Now we're looking at actually doing a remodel with this new location so it's, it's pretty fun and it's it's,
0: uh, it's exciting so going back to your first location next to this uh, this mcdonald's over there you said that um uh you were only you only had like 20 students and now uh you you your your place is packed yeah um how did you go about acquiring more 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 students Uh, i know it's not just hey you know ads and this and that because once you get them you have to be able to keep them you have to create a a experience that makes people happy not only the uh the students but also the parents too right yeah and so how do you keep them coming back or what were you doing at your first location how did you get those students and then how how have you been able to sustain the influx of more people coming in for over the last 15 years not only you know, just to pay the bills, but obviously to sustain you and your family, to, yeah. you know, to, to do everything, to, to live a life. How, how how have you been able to do that? Yeah, again,
1: <laughs> you, you want a little bit of boneheadedness. I, I would say what the big change has been is my wife calls people back and emails people back. Mm. And she does it more Eloquently than I do, mm. uh, you know. If I see like an email, I'm like, "Oh God, this is a lot of work." Just my brain doesn't quite work that way. I don't know if it's like an ADHD thing. Like just right. to, to sit and to like, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna spell. The it, it, spelling in me, it's just it's rough. It's mm. all right. It's not fun to see, right? Mm-hmm. So um, all of a sudden, she does that numbers jump big time. But mm. before my, my wife just started, um, you know, you think about these two bad things. the 2008, you have the housing market. Yeah. 2020, we find out we're pregnant. She's going to quit her job, come work for the school. And I said, listen, we have about 200, 220 members. We've never had a problem. I've been making money. I'm wow. an idiot. And I've been doing this for years oh, alone. Oh my goodness. Wow. If you quit and come with me, trust me, <laughs> we're going to be fine. COVID hits and it was um, like, yeah. I'm so sorry, babe. I'm sorry. So, so oh. her, her company kept her on about eight more months, which helped with the pregnancy and, and yeah. calmed us down. Soon as she came on numbers just shot up. We also have, we have like a media agency. They put out our Facebook ads there. Those guys
0: are awesome. I just saw a uh, targeted ad in, in, in my feed. Was, uh, it, uh, was it Amber talking? Yeah, yeah. And she was, you know, just breaking it down. I watched it. Yeah. Uh, great lighting. Um, she's wearing her, uh, her, her gi and yep. everything. And speaking well, smiling, looks uh, look, uh, look, uh, looks welcoming. I'm like, hey, th- that's that's my my guy Wade right yeah, there. Yeah, I was very happy for that
1: she did that. That was cool.
0: Now, uh, Charles Darwin. Uh, there was a great quote in a recent book that I read. I I forget which book, but I I love a good quote. Now, um, Charles Darwin said that um, it is not the strongest nor the smartest that that survive. It is the one that is most um, the one that has the easiest time. To, to change mm. now during 2020 you know you didn't have to be the biggest business or the most brilliant person you just had to be the, the one who was um, willing willing to change now something that I saw you implement was you had the outdoor area to where <laughs> yeah. you were you were conducting the the, uh. the classes outside. Now even though that 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 wasn't ideal, you know that was just something that you guys had to roll with the punches yeah. to 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 make things work. One, it was a service of the of the community. I'm thankful that it didn't you know um, bankrupt your, your your business or anything. Yeah. You were able to uh, bob and weave those punches, and because you had your finances in, in order and you had a plan and you were willing to endure and persevere through that time. You created a, a, a much-needed service for the community. Yeah. Because at that time it was like, hey, don't even go out. I mean, there was so much strife. You know, Holly. She was trying to get me to wear a mask outside. At, you know, at at the park. And I was like, we're outside. The wind's blowing. I'm not, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to wear the mask. Anyway, so you know that that was something that that I was happy about is that once again wade is doing what he needs to do to to provide a service provide for his family and then also this is in, enriching the the community so that, w- that that's something that I, w- I, I would like to you know say thank you for for oh, having all of your ducks in a row and providing that that service
1: well and you guys are the families <laughs> that kept us alive so you know we we needed you as much as you needed us kind of a thing so yeah. um and we were lucky cuz we were one of the people i think we were willing to be out there mm. and so People wanted something to do. A lot, a lot of people were scared. And, you know, like, that. I, I understand. Yeah. You got you to do what you think is best for you and your family. Yep. But, um, yeah, we were happy to to give that service because it was like, man, I can't sit inside. So, yeah, we had done, like, and I have good business mentors. A lot of people who mm. I surround myself with. You know, I'll, I'll talk to my instructor. There's, um, there's a lot of good guys here in the Bay Area, too, like other martial arts instructors, all wow. sharing knowledge. And they'd get on phone calls and Zoom calls and like, hey, yeah. this is Zoom. This is how it works. So we made a whole Zoom schedule. Then we were oh, at wow. a park. And the park was great, but then daylight savings hit, so we need lights now. So then we were in front of the karate school where you guys were training with us on that little side area where that was the only area that had lights. And Mm -hmm. we and you know, so many one after the other problems. I brought out like a work, like I don't know if it's a construction worker like floodlight, and I guess if you touch the glass or it oils up, you know. All right. So the the kid, um, I let one of the students borrow it, and I think he reinserted the the light bulb, Mm. and the thing just shatters because the oil. So we're out there, and now we have glass everywhere and it's oh like oh my goodness but you know not a big deal but um yeah we were able to really adjust and I think I got good advice from some good people I had a lot of good families like you guys and then we have a good group of you know people on our leadership team that they also want to be at the school so they were yeah. there to help me and um it, but yeah our team got cut in half our students got cut in half and then um but because we were willing to be out there and we were one of the people ready to go yeah as soon as things opened up like we were just flooded and it was because we opened up before baseball and soccer mm-hmm. and some of these other places. So <laughs> oh, yeah. we actually kind of had a, like an unfair advantage in some ways. Now my wife's calling people back way better than I ever did. Yeah, um, But yeah, the phone didn't ring for two years unless, and it rang because it was like we're quitting, you know, and then yeah. all of a sudden it just, it, it kept ringing. But one of the ways that we really ended up getting um, into the community is booths. Um, I've become like the booth guy so, I just saw you at the Halloween event, and that's one of our booths. And, like, mm-hmm. once you kind of get into it, our, brew, our booth is super cool. I just bought another tent from this company called Instatent. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you just, it's it, the booth or the, um, the tent looks amazing, and uh, it's all branded, your, your, your stuff. And then we have like fun little themes. Like at the last one, it was Cobra Kai and yeah. Miyagi Do. So all our kids come dressed up. We're handing out candy, giving out prizes. How,
0: how thankful are you that the Cobra Kai series got started Ooh. up? Because I'm sure that that um, had, uh, created a influx of in early uh, of needs, right? And uh, maybe it was like
1: 21 or 20. Once people started feeling more comfortable going outside, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, there was. Definitely a handful of parents that were like, "Oh yeah, me and my kid watch that Cobra Kai. They really want to do karate. I'm like, oh yeah, awesome. Let's
0: go break some boards. Oh dude, and I love
1: the show. It's so corny and so oh, perfect. Yeah. And it just, is. It's
0: it's karate from like the '80s. It's awesome. I love how they made the good guy bad and the bad guy good. Like yes. what what a twist, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. You grow up in uh all that money, and then didn't know how to manage money, and then another the person grew up with no money and yeah, end up and, having money.
0: And then it turns out, you know, because there's always uh, two sides to the story. it Turns out that. Daniel Larusso, he was doing the dickhead things to uh, Johnny Lawrence. Like, uh, there was a scene where he was talking about he was just in the bathroom and then minding his own business, and then Daniel's son comes up and puts the hose on him and ruins his have, have his you, his outfit and everything. Did you see that video? There, there's a video of,
1: of basically, I don't know if it's Daniel Larusso's a sociopath, but it's oh. it's a basically there's a whole video about I'll have to send it to All you right, yeah. about how really in Cobra Kai he's the bad guy. He goes and steals this guy's girlfriend. And he messes with him at school Yeah. throws the first punch, yeah. throws an illegal kick and wins. So anyway, it's pretty, it's, uh, it's funny. It, it, you,
0: think you know, it, it, it's, it's fascinating how you can paint a narrative mm-hmm. and oh. you, you can spin something to look I- any way you want it to, because the way that we learned about it, Danielson, he was a good guy. Yeah. But you know, the the video that you're going to show me, Hey, look at it from this angle, from this perspective, and you're going to see it in a whole new, in a whole new realm. Yeah. 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 Um, so it, it, that's also um, um, similar to the sixty-nine, where like, so say if say if I have a six here, mm-hmm. like I see a six, you see a nine. Yeah. You know, it, like from where I'm at, no, nah, this is my truth. This is a six. You're like from where you're at, though. Yeah. It's a nine. Yeah. So fascinating how you can spin a narrative to support whatever biases you want to confirm. Yes. Yep. We're living in a time where. There's a lot of that. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, going back to uh, COVID and you, um, you know, pretty much um, rolling with the punches. You, you mentioned the park and the outside area and having to have have the lights and stuff. There is a, a little philosophical phrase that I, I have created for myself, and that is um, to plan plan for the plan for a storm. There's always a storm coming, and the best time to plan for a storm. Is when it's calm. Is when there's peace. You don't want to plan for a storm in the middle of a storm. Yes. Um, so COVID came out of nowhere, and if you weren't prepared, if you didn't have the money or the the mental uh, the mental fortitude, the emotional resilience, if you didn't have any of that, yeah. then that was a long two, three years. And you know, a lot of people killed themselves because of it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's always a a, a storm coming. So save your money, do your push-ups, read your books, take your Flintstone vitamins. Just yeah. do all of the things right now when you can do it because something is. Some, uh, there's a big bad wolf out there. And there's a storm brewing and it has your name on it. What you know. Was, what's our uh, the Stoic philosophy? Is it like kind of that negative visualization? It, it's it's coming. You know, whatever it is, your your mom's gonna die. Your your goldfish is gonna die. Your yeah. dog is gonna get hit by a truck. And if you can't cope with your dog running off or, or your, your, your your girl running off, then guess what you are going to be doing? You're going to be propping yourself up with a, a vice. You're yeah. going to be numbing it. You're, you're not going to be doing the things that are going to be promoting flourishing. You're actually going to be uh, spiraling down. And your, your problem is going to get bigger. You're going to get weaker. And that is – hopefully not going to be the end of you
1: and it's funny you say that because i still think even though i've come out of this thing in a successful place i still experienced all that i I went through a big depression and part of that negative visualization and again i'm not trying to say you want to visualize negative things but you want to prepare yourself for there's a difference when uh, I know I'm gonna get hit, I flex my stomach. it mm. still hurts, but oh, yeah. I'm more <laughs> mentally prepared to, right. to take that hit yeah. and I feel like that's kind of what you're saying. like these bad things you know your dog that can happen
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and, and I, I tried to quit a lot. I, mm-hmm. I really did um, I was like let's just let's just pack it up and we'll uh, once masks are gone, totally, we'll do it. Oh, but wow. my wife you know she, she was very much a rock in this whole thing mm-hmm. keeping me calm and she would say things like you know it's a lot easier to keep a student than to get a new one. Mm. So, you know, if we if we quit now, we have a hundred students, there we won't have a hundred students when we open. And, you know, so I, I'm really glad and, and then that's the other part of this. Um, pardon me, the community that we've kind of built, and I, I don't want to say I've built it, I think what I've done, if I've done anything well or smart, is
0: um, I've created space for growth if that makes sense. Uh, uh, b- uh, beautifully said, a space for, for flourishing. Yeah. If you
1: build it, they will come, and, right? And, and that's it because we, we have so many little, like the, of, of this community we've built, we have people that who, that we have these parents who are thrilled to have their kids volunteer at our booth and hand out candy because they know they're doing something positive, right? Yeah. Um, we're, we just did um, like a buddy party. Hey, you can bring your friend to class and then we do this fun experience on the weekends. And so it's, it's an opportunity for all these kids to come in and bring a friend, and they they train. And it just – the parents know that it's a safe place. The kids have camaraderie, and they're physically active, especially in a day and age where we do nothing but phones or screens, yeah. whether it's games or whatever. Uh-huh. And we've tried to do the same thing with our adults. We had a, um, you know these adult training sessions with their kids, and mm-hmm. um, the one thing that I'm actually like the most proud of is – we have this thing called black belt school and it's now it's like about a year long process. These guys train, you go over all your basics. So you have all your, your black belt requirements mm-hmm. and you do all these long trainings. And there's, you know, I think of these guys like, uh, the veteran hall, they still go and they talk and they're, they're there together. And there's just something about these guys. So we get up at six a, or we start at 6am and we'll train from six to noon or six mm-hmm. to 10, depending on what our lesson plan of the day is for this, mm-hmm. this black belt school. And so, and I mean, that's a killer training. Like it, it I'm beat up just watching these guys and leading this thing. We're all over town. You'll see there's like a group of people running. Nice. You're like, what are these guys doing by Walmart over here? And we're we're running and just doing our thing. Um, But what's really cool is I'm not a part of it. I'm the leader of it. But all the friendships that are built, they they last. And I see these kids. Like, you know, one of the guys, um, one of our main instructors moved to Texas. And he's still just in the loop with all of our team and the friendships and relationships that were built. And I'm lucky enough to have experienced that when I was a kid in Antioch. And half those kids that I grew up with were at my wedding, and so I'm still friends with them today. Yeah, and um, I'm going to go visit one of them for Thanksgiving. Uh, I said my friend's mom had, you know, shot herself. She was over at our house the other day watching football with her son, and just mm, nice. These are lifelong friendships and this this community, and it's not like centered around one egotistical leader. Um, it's a it's a community and these friendships all these friendships happened in my instructor's house he gave us the opportunity for this and these Mm -hmm. are lifelong friends and he doesn't even know that I still talk to these guys probably (laughs) and I'm just so proud that we were able to do that within our school yeah
0: definitely And
1: um, that's something
0: that that you cannot buy like you can't send in an order from Costco to have your you know hey send over some some community with uh, some some office supplies or whatever that's something that has to organically grow and you you, you can't buy that and that's something that That I would love to be able to learn from you is, you know, a little bit of what's the recipe? You know, um, you said that it's not around, you know, a a egotistical leader. It's about, you know, just coming together, having a space that that is is open for flourishing. And what else? Yeah. Well, I, I think what is it?
1: the first part of culture is cult. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's why whenever I think of that like singular leader, mm-hmm. you think of this this like a cult leader. So it's a little blind following sometimes, or, or people have drank the Kool Aid or, you know, whatever. But um, to build that culture, you know, you're trying, I, I, I try to, you know, stay kind of hungry and humble. Right. That's kind of just some simple things. Right. Yeah. Um, because you want to point out all the other team members that are really doing the, the hard work at the school. All right. Yeah. I Again, I pay the rent. I create the space. Uh-huh. There's a lot of other people doing the work, not just me. Yeah. And um, so building that culture, and it's it's funny because you'll get a few, maybe different characters that come in there, and and it just they weed themselves out because it's mm. just they don't fit with me or the culture that we've kind of created. Yeah. And um, and that's okay. It's okay to say bye to somebody, and, and yeah, I'm happy to even help you find the uh. If you're looking for a martial arts school, I'll find. I'll help you find the mm-hmm. one for you. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of it. And actually, I had a really cool conversation today um, with a mom from uh, the Montessori school. And she says, um, I was at Kid Strong, another cool business in town. Is that like a CrossFit for for kids? Yeah, it's
0: actually where the Omni Fight Club used to be. I don't know if you know where that is. Uh, Second Street. Uh, no, but the, the fascinating thing about opening up resources and programs like that for kids is that... All it does is just make the human species just healthy, bad. healthy, stronger. So, for example, like Liliana, uh, my my daughter, she's five years old, and she can be signed up for a CrossFit program. It's like, dude, that is, yeah. that's just going to make her just super strong. Right now, she's doing gymnastics, and she, she does it for an hour. But this is the first time that I have seen her become passionate about anything so she she goes to the uh to the um to her gymnastics practice and she comes home and she's showing hey dad look what i can do and she's doing like these muscle ups and she's starting to get like um she's starting to get gymnast muscles and she's starting to tumble she's doing handstands and it's it's great to see her her passion come out and be be enthusiastic about something so i would say that's part of our culture right there Mm -hmm.
1: is you're an engaged parent mm-hmm. i've se- i mean it's it breaks my heart i've seen we used to do these tip goals right so every a stripe on your belt we'll call it a tip did mm. you get your stripe did you get your tip yeah and um we used to say what's your goal and you know my mom and dad said i have to clean my room you know before i do my homework or before i go out and play or something right yeah and then i, I, I hey mom dad is uh little johnny been cleaning the room i get the thumbs up and i started seeing the, uh the parents just checked out on their phones because mm-hmm. the phones have really come into in the last 10 to 15 years yeah and so, you know, half the parents are checked out. Mm-hmm. And, um, anyways, we we would ask, "Hey, what's your goal?" And the kids like, uh, "Leapfrog." And then I look at the parent, and the parents like, "Uh, yeah, 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 yeah." I was like, "Oh man, you're not even you're here, but you're not even here." Yeah. And I think part of the culture is we've been lucky enough. Like, wh- I think when me and my instructors are there, we really care about what we do, and we really like the, to connect with people. That's one yeah. of our big things. Uh-huh. Actually, our little tag phrase or purpose statement is, "We believe you belong." And I can explain that in, in a.
0: Okay. Better
1: better thing. But having engaged parents makes such a difference. Yeah. And that's time. how your culture grows. And those are the parents that are going to our booth events, taking their kids, that are they're they're the ones bringing their kids to everything in school. And those kids grow and thrive in the program so much more. And there's nothing wrong with a drop off parent. Yeah. My parents were drop off parents.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um I was just crazy obsessed, but they always were in touch with the instructors. Yeah. And um they weren't drop off parents from day one. Mm-hmm. But eventually it's like, Oh man, my kid's sixteen, he can he can make his own way to karate. He'll yeah. be all right. So, um, but yeah, can I share the "We Believe You Belong"? Yeah, sure, definitely. So, um, I work. We with a- believe you belong. Yes. Okay. And so, we- we we're trying to think of like a purpose statement. You know, Nike, just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my business mentor, one of my business mentors, is in Millbrae. He has a school called One Martial Arts, and his is live your best life. You know, you'll see that on coffee mugs and all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. And so you know he was challenging us like, hey, let's make one, let's make one, make it mean something, you know. And so we believe you belong. And so that belief factor. I remember my first karate class. Um, you know, my instructor has a, do like a swinging leg kick, just stretching. Stre- so, so how high can you swing your leg? Kind of like a football punter. Okay. And um, some water for you, some. Thank you. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I, you know, I, I hold out. You know, I don't know, like uh, chest level. Mm-hmm. He goes, do your kick. I kick over my head. He goes, you need to believe in yourself more. Mm-hmm. You need to have more confidence. Yeah. And then that, that aha moment, you know, he's in class praising me for hard work, not skill, because I'm kind of a spaz when I play. I'm like, when I do like soccer or baseball or something, I just try hard. Cause I'm like, I know I'm not good. So I'm going to bust my butt. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he got me to, he showed me that he believed in me. Other students started believing me. And then sooner, uh, sorry, sooner or later, I started believing in myself. Like mm. that belief was there. And that's kind of what we want to do at our karate school. So we believe we want to help. We believe in you. We want to help you grow that belief in yourself. That's the biggest thing because you could tell me that I'm the greatest thing ever. I can tell you you're the greatest ever, but if you don't believe it, it's useless.
0: What, what a what a crazy concept, right? Just belief. Yeah. Um, there was a gentleman who I spoke with. His name is uh, Lucien Lucien Bole, and he recently uh, ran uh, the Moab 240. It's a 200. Oh, tell me this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's, it's a 240 mile. Ultra marathon with elevation equivalent to uh, thirty-one thousand feet. So the commercial airliners they fly at uh, thirty-two thousand feet. Mount Everest is twenty-eight thousand feet. So if you want to try to wrap your mind around the elevation, no, two two hundred and (laughs) forty miles, which is unfathomable. Like uh, that, that's just hard to believe. Oh, two hundred forty yeah. miles. I I I don't even know where two hundred forty miles is from Livermore. Exactly. Yeah. Sacramento's ninety nine miles uh, uh, from here. I couldn't. So and then not only that, with elevation up to thirty one thousand feet. Yeah. So I, I asked him. I was like, hey, so what what do you know that that I don't know? What would make you believe that you can do something like that? And he was just like, I I believe in myself. Yeah. Um. Before that, he ran. Uh, thirty one hundred ultra mile marathons. So, so he ran one hundred miles thirty times, thirty times, and so the, the people who are doing these, they're not stronger than you and I. They're not smarter. They're not. It, 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 they're not. They're not anything other than just someone who believes that they can do it and who is just willing to 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 try. And so, going back to the the belief aspect. Henry Ford. He said, "Whether you believe you can or can't, you're right." Yeah. And so when it comes to putting these these limiting beliefs on myself, you know that was um, a huge catalyst of you know running a marathon and doing a, a freaking Ironman. It's like I, I I believe that I can do it. I'm willing to fail. I'm willing yeah. to strive. Even if I do fail, uh, I'm at a point in my life where I I wouldn't even look at. At it as a failure, I would l- just look at it as um what's his name as Thomas Edison did with the light bulb, he it it, it took him ten thousand times uh to to discover how not to make how not how yeah. not to make a light bulb, so I'm like all right I, I'm gonna set this goal I'm gonna do the Iron Man, and I, I'm gonna learn something I'm just open to learn, and um that's what his, his like his fundamental takeaway from venturing out on a 240 mile ultra marathon was, I just believe that I can. That's uh, the, every man is what he is because of the dominating
1: thoughts, which he permits to occupy his mind. Mm. I believe is Napoleon Hill. Mm. And, um, there's this really awesome, uh, sport karate competitor named raymond daniels and i saw that on his myspace page years ago Yeah, and, I, and it's like every man is what he is because of the dominating thoughts which he permits to occupy his mind and I just sat with me and i'd repeat it again and again and mm-hmm. again and again because it's like what's in my mind and this little coming out of covid i was a little bit depressed and yeah the dominating thoughts in my mind they weren't they weren't the best you know And, I, and mm-hmm. but that's okay like
0: it's one way not to build a light bulb
1: so i'm getting better and uh that's but.
0: also the, the, the fighting in the martial arts, you know, yeah. having the discipline like, Hey, all right, I, I hear this conflicting voice in my head, but I know that I just need to fight it. Like you, you you can't you can't just be passive about it. You you can't just be like, Oh, you know, whatever. It's like, nah, no, I, I need to, I need to strap up some some shoes and get after it. Whatever it is, I just need to fight back. Martial arts in a lot of ways is counterproductive to what society
1: teaches us. Don't fight. Not mm-hmm. good, you know don't hit somebody, don't don't use your aggressive, but if you can channel that yeah and learn how to you know we when we spar at our karate school, it's very fun, right There's kids who are still freaked out, but like mm-hmm. we can hit each other and we could be okay with it you know and mm-hmm. that's that's kind of you know we always have this little quote, you hit your best friends the hardest because <laughs> if I don't know you and I hit you, uh, there's a chance you might flip out and like you know mm. try to lose your temper yeah um, versus if I hit you, you're like, damn that was a good hit. You know I'm gonna try to get you back, and like I know you're gonna try to get me mm-hmm. back, and it's it's a nice, but like because we're friends, we can work out like that together. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, but so we believe, and then the you belong part. Um, like I said, didn't I, I notice a lot of communities with churches, and as I grew up, just when when you're in a household that doesn't do a lot of church, nothing wrong with not going or going. Like I, I actually yeah. really admire the church communities, and and it's kind of one of those things where I almost feel like I missed out on a little bit, but. Mm. Um, you know, and, and then Antioch just in general didn't have a sense of community no. right it's a little I don't want to say selfish but people just kind of do their thing yeah and um, I, I could feel that I didn't belong on the baseball team mm-hmm. I could feel I didn't belong in high school mm-hmm. you know I wasn't uh, on any of the teams I tried out for the soccer team mm-hmm. um, just didn't make it not not quite the best soccer player yeah but um really loved it but once I got to karate I was like man I this is my place. These are my people. Mm -hmm. And it was the best thing. So um, one of our instructors, Sifu Laura, um, great kid. Yeah, she's great by the way. Yeah. Incredible. Uh And she's a complete introvert, the Mm. quietest person. You watch her teach a class and you're like... She's in charge, big time. That's awesome. Yeah. And I get these compliments and I'm so thankful I get the compliment from you and other people just about how awesome these instructors are. And it's just, I'm lucky that we have a culture and we have these people surrounded around me. So it's... Mm. I think I'm the lucky one in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah. But Laura comes from I think somewhere in the, the, the South Carolina, maybe. And I always think of, you know, California is like the cool place, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're from Carolina and you move to California, like in uh, remember the Titans? Sunshine? Yeah. Uh-huh. He's like this cool California dude, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm in my head, Laura's like a little timid, very introverted, very shy, youngest mm-hmm. in her family, quietest person, very soft spoken. And um but she found her place. And it was, it was perfect. And she's, she, her family moved back to South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And um, she's, she decided to stay. Her boyfriend is the other instructor, uh, Sifu Ethan Chow. And the two of them run th- the place. Th- those are the two, two brothers, right? Uh,
0: yeah, the one brother is, is living with his parents in Discovery Bay. He's not doing as much martial arts mm-hmm. now. Right. but um, Yeah, both of those guys, they were awesome too. Yeah. yeah they, they, they made it fun, informative, engaging, interacting with with the kids and it's like dude yeah this is this is a chef's kiss you know it's like it was was awesome to to watch it's it's cool and and like what's really cool about it is they've really
1: embodied that so laura found that place where she belonged right and that's kind of the whole thing part of that whole the 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 concept of the name team martial arts was um it takes a village to raise a child right Mm -hmm. you know in other cultures right if we lived um one of our instructors was uh, his parents are portuguese so in portugal they talk about how the parents and the grandparents they they, they live together or live near each other and they help raise the grandchildren uh, mm. together and that's just something here in the united states it's a little different right you kind of yeah. go off on your own start your family yep and um oh man i've lost train, my train of thought here
0: laura Shoot. finding
1: her her place um, yeah well, it's i guess it, i maybe i was just trying to say it's harder to to be away from her family and, yeah. and do that but now those two kids are running the school. And, th- and when I say kids, they're 21 and 23, so i yeah. right around that age. Um, they're they're able to run the school, and now they're trying to provide the same type of things that I was trying to provide, mm-hmm. making this place where they believe in the students. They're pumping up the students. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I was talking about the village. But they're also creating opportunities for these kids to belong here. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I couldn't be more proud to... Be part of it, you know. Yeah. And I know I'm kind of like the head guy in charge, but the truth is, is I'm, uh, I'm witnessing it with them. I'm, I'm taking part of it with them. So it's, it's been amazing.
0: Your business is one of the awesome businesses in Livermore that makes Livermore what it is. Yeah. It and, works and that, super. And and Livermore is is, is dope. Yeah. It, it, it's it's super cool. Um. What is uh. Do you have any like super su- successful stories of some kid I don't know who was awkward, uncoordinated, or just any any highlight stories that you're able to uh, share? I know I do. I, I,
1: <laughs> Laura would be a good one. I, I, can, uh-huh. I can I can I can normally talk all day um about a lot of people but i'm I'm gonna go with laura on this one just so she's sifu laura sifu's like our instructor title Mm -hmm. and um you know just this shy girl from south carolina so when we would do a summer camp summer camp's great because there's no parents on the bench watching so Mm -hmm. if you're a new instructor who's a little nervous to like talk in front of the parents or something because being judged yes or it's like I want to correct their kid, but you're thinking that the parents like my kid's perfect. Oh, don't correct Oh, that's challenging them. too. But the truth is this: the parents, no, nah, man, correct my kid. They're being, mm. uh, they're spinning around. Tell them to stop. But yeah. But when you're a teenager, telling that in front of the, pa- it's it's nerve nerve wracking. Yeah. So we're at this summer uh, summer camp, and I'm like, what I want you to do is lead the warm ups. All you have to do is just say word. This sounds so dumb. <laughs> I'm like, say words out of your mouth, and I promise <laughs> they will listen. Yeah. I, th- th- just say anything. Uh huh. And, and they'll do it, it's so simple. And I, I used to do little drills to like show them, it's okay to mess up, because watch this. I, I would say the same exercise twice in a row. If you say it with confidence, <laughs> those kids will do it. A couple, there's always the one guy's like, didn't we just do this? Uh-huh. Yeah, now I'm having you do it again, that's how you get better. But <laughs> Laura, uh, it, it was, like, I know you can't see this on video, but it's kind of this, uh, uh, mm. And mm-hmm. she literally could not get the words to come out of her. Yeah. And now you look at her today, and you've said it. My friend Shalia said it. Other people they go, dude, that girl controls the class. Yeah. Everyone is in line. Everyone's in shape. They're working hard, and she's not like rude or mean about not it. Not at not at all. uh uh-uh. It's just it's, it's great
0: energy. Yeah. So that would be one as far as a uh, like a, um, a a a transformative yeah. uh, um, someone who has experienced tre- tremendous growth. Yeah, I have another one. This is—he um, was one of our top instructors, and he moved to
1: Texas. This guy Joseph actually lived around the corner for a while there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so, Joseph—I don't know if you'd appreciate me telling this story, but I'm gonna do it anyways. He was at school, and and he was just, for lack of a better words, he was a punk sometimes. <laughs> Great kid. Like once, you, once you hear the whole story of—I of, uh, I love this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should say I love this man. He's—he's he's just an awesome guy because I can't call him a kid anymore. He has. He just had twins the mm, other day. Nice. So he's got three kids now. But Joseph was the type of kid who I guess a girl makes fun of him. He dumps her backpack out, kicks her stuff, spits on it, and no. throws her backpack. Like, just, he was not taking crap from anybody. Yeah. He was just that guy. I'm like, you're not messing with me. Mm-hmm. He had a comeback for everything. You know, I, I, I want <laughs> I guess I could say one of them, right? He was like, hey, man, you're kind of short. And you go, we're about the same size when I lay on my back, though. Or so just, he would just always have <laughs> something. And, um, so Joseph, with this guy, my first day meeting him, he's got that. Uh, I hope they serve beer in hell book. Mm. If you like books, if you need a, if you need a break from uh, inspiration and you just need a funny book, mm-hmm. I hope they serve beer in hell. Okay. It's uh he that that book should have been canceled by cancel culture by today's standard, oh, wow. but it's it's just it's a funny book, right? All right. And um, he's out there, and he just this, and I I don't like high school kids sometimes because they come in with their high school attitudes. I like kids that start in karate and then go to high school because they kind of they have a higher respect. Sometimes kid the high school kid. A little bit too much swag, looking at the old bald karate instructor, like, oh, man. Trying to be too cool. Yes. Yeah. Well, Joseph wasn't like that, but he talked my ear off, and I'm trying to eat my lunch, and I'm like, man, hey, <laughs> kid. Well, he goes from that, th- this kind of, and I'm not saying he was a punk 24-7. He just had a couple of things that he would do, something like that. He went from that to running my school the way Ethan and Laura do now and being just a huge, respected member of this community. Nice. He was an accomplished competitor. Uh, we competed in a bunch of tournaments all over. He uh, he even got sponsored once to go compete in I think Texas and do some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, but you would have never known that that was a kid who dumped out some kid, who, some other kids picking on, him, dumped yeah. out her stuff. He became such a responsible human who ran the school and just did such a good job. And like I, I want to take credit for everything. That, like you can't he had just as much influence on Ethan and Laura as i did and that that's the cool part is Ethan and Laura will pass that on
0: yeah. and it's almost
1: like my instructor even though he's never taught Joseph or Ethan and Laura really
0: mm-hmm.
1: he's had as much influence through them through me so it's this cool it's almost like a family lineage yeah but um so yeah Joseph's another one who went from you know maybe being a little bit of a rebel to a responsible <laughs> leader in the community where uh-huh. i mean parents love this wow. dude and you would not have known that was the guy mm-hmm. um, in uh, who's doing that kind of stuff in school. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and there's a lot of stories like that, all the way to like kids that became, you know, really strong competitors too. Yeah. Um, in karate tournaments, because that's nerve wracking to go to another uh, a karate school, uh, t- karate tournament where all these different cultures come together and they're not all like ours, mm-hmm. right? Like in Livermore, you know, we try to. We have a nice, clean school, like you said. And that was what I met when I met you on day one. You're like, "Man, you look familiar," and we find out we went to the same high school and stuff. Yeah. And you're like, "Everything's clean. It smells good." And I was like, "Dude, this guy gets it because we work hard <laughs> to get that stuff." But the traditional karate school smells like in gym socks and sweat, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's nasty. Yeah. And like, and the thing is, we take pride in that. Mm-hmm. When you got a nasty, dirty uniform and a belt that's all frayed, yeah. Like, that's how I train. Mm-hmm. I sacrifice for this, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's cool, but
0: smelling good and being yeah, yeah.
1: clean and everything is nice too and having a facility that your wife would be like oh, no, i could sit here for 45 minutes yeah. watch my kid cause yeah
0: I, I i am able to appreciate the 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 nitty-gritty of yeah. a ironclad gym but then hey also when there's no dust bunnies everything's painted it's smelling good and everything is just sparkling and and shining yeah. i'm able to appreciate to appreciate that too and you are just you know um, the business owner who is embodying a a nice clean facility for your students and your staff to to thrive, and that's 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 awesome.
1: Yeah, one of the business mentors who helps me. Uh, you want to be the cleanest place in town and the friendliest place in town, mm. and it's just you know. And I, I always thought like the mcdojo concept. I'm like, man, this guy's got a bunch of schools, but they're all you know they're big schools. And I went and trained with him and his team, and I was like, "Oh, these guys are legit! Like, it was really cool, and they're the cleanest, and the friendliest, and they're awesome martial mm-hmm. artists." So, yeah, for me, I'm pretty lucky to been um, kind of surre- Like, I had a good upbringing in martial arts. I think my instructor they were always on the cutting edge of of having a running a really well run business. Mm-hmm. And then I've reached out on my own with other mentors to kind of bring in more stuff that's that identifies with me more personally. And so uh, we've been really fortunate with that. That helps build that
0: whole culture and community too, I would say. There's a book and it, um, it's called uh, Building Moments and it's the psychological analysis of what creates or what why someone would consider a certain event to, to be good or bad. Now, for example, oh, the, the rule is called the peak end rule. And let's say you, you go to Disneyland and you have a horrible time all the way until you you go on the the, the ride and your daughter there, there's fireworks going off and your daughter's eating ice cream and everyone is having a great time. That is the peak. But leading up to that peak, it was just all crap, right? Like yeah. the, there was a it was hot, it was a long line, um, you lost some money, just whatever. It was just all crap. And then you have that peak moment. So and then if it ends good then you're going to forget everything that was bad. You're going to remember yeah. the peak and the end. Now, if the peak was not, a, was not something good, it was like a low diminishing, it wasn't too high, and the end is, is bad, then it, it, it doesn't matter if everything before was mediocre, it wasn't too bad, you're psychologically you're going to process it as a loss like man that was a horrible day yeah uh it, it it wasn't a a good time but if you can have one moment to create a peak moment and end it on a high then it doesn't matter what happens between the peak and the end everything is going to uh, the your your customer is going to walk out of your facility with hey that was a great time yeah um so that uh, that's something called the the peak end rule yeah is, is is pretty fascinating you know uh, us as fathers were able to take that in mind and try to utilize <laughs> that in our you know a camping trip or whatever as long as we try to create a climactic moment where yeah. there's peace and harmony and if we end on a good note then our kids are gonna you know have a a great memory at at, at the end of the day yeah no that's awesome
1: i i really like that i can Think of many a moments like that uh-huh. <laughs> where you the buildup was tough, but getting there was like, Oh thank God.
0: Speaking of peak end moments, I don't want to take up too much more of your time moving forward. You said that, um, you, you were doing some remodeling. Is, is that the, the goal the, the short term goal is to, are you expanding or what, what type of re- remodeling are, are you going to be doing? Yeah, we want to, um, you know,
1: we've been in this facility for about 10 years of the 15 years I've been in town. And, uh, Just kind of give it a facelift in general, Mm. paint job, um, break down some walls, open up the training floor a bit, make it, uh, we can actually add a third more of the training floor. And we have a pretty big training floor now. So if we break down that back wall, we can get a third more in there. And then that would allow us just to to do more things. So one of my goals would be to build our instructional team. So if you have more instructors, they need classes to teach. So we could do two classes at once or even add in some other programs. I have, you know, dabbled in uh, muay thai and jujitsu nowhere n- jujitsu is a, a beast i'm nowhere near being, it is huh? being ready to to um to to teach any of that but with muay thai i feel like i'm starting to understand it and, and one day maybe have a beginner level muay thai program or you know just kind of market it to our own students as we yeah. as we grow it um and that's actually one of my personal goals would be to compete again mm. in that but you know competing at 40 and essentially a different sport but um yeah just, You want to grow, kind of, you know, the the school. You obviously you're there to make it be profitable, yeah, and just have a great place so you can, um, you know, give great things to people and have a great life for your family, yeah. So, um, yeah, just trying to really make that uh, just a. A facility that every person, every mom comes into, and is like, I could be here for forty-five minutes. It's clean. I'm, I'm good. Kids are proud. You know, dads are like, man, this is kind of cool, man. Look at my kid out there punching. You know, yeah. you want to make the dads <laughs> proud. You want the moms to have a clean place, and you want the kids and their friends to like, man, this is my karate school. And you come in and you feel the, the way I feel of putting this effort into it. I want the students to feel, man, this because it's like a second home for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, if they have a similar experience to what I had with martial arts. It's you're going to spend a lot of time there. So, let's be as proud of this place as we can be.
0: In closing, Wade Taylor's journey is a testament to the indomitable spirit of entrepreneurship. From leadership principles to overcoming adversity and the delicate dance between fatherhood, being a married man, and business. His insights are a wellspring of inspiration. He didn't just talk about his philosophy, he embodied it. As we conclude and draw the curtains closed on this episode of Gathering Strength, reflect on the lessons gleaned from Wade's 15-year entrepreneurial odyssey. It's a reminder that challenges are not roadblocks, but stepping stones. And true strength lies not in weathering the storm, but in emerging stronger on the other side. We hope you found inspiration and guidance in Wade's words propelling you forward on your own journey. Thank you for gathering strength with us. And remember, resilience is not just a trait. It's a force that propels us towards greater heights Until next time, keep gathering strength, face challenges head-on, and craft your own narrative of triumph. Until next time, it's onward. Always onward.